This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets episode 88 from the Subway to Shea studios in my office. And joining me to help steer this train is my co-host for this episode, Al Cintron, diehard New York Mets fan and is known for his infamous takes on Twitter and YouTube about the Mets the Knicks, and his Washington Commanders. Al, how's it going, buddy? What's going on, brother? You know, it's episode 88. That was a bad, disappointing season for the Mets, man. <laughs> but, well, let's hope that they can turn those, uh, you know, those, those frowns from back then upside down. Uh, how you been? I know you had back surgery. How's your back doing? Also, how's uh, the Mets mascot Gizmo doing? Nah, Gizmo, Gizmo's great. <laughs> he actually just came out the room as you said that. Gizmo is great. Uh, as far as my back goes, it's a day-by-day thing, man. Uh, spinal fusion surgery is no joke. <laughs> I know. I know you've been, uh, you know, suffering around there. And uh, you were still able to get out to the Mets game, still able to go to the playoff game. So kudos to you, my friend. I hope you, you well, know, that, enjoyed this season. Well, that that was thanks to modern medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. That's, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know, I've been meaning to get you back on the show for a while now, but I said this is the perfect week to do this considering it's the beginning of the Mets hot stove season, and they did bring back a player that you've been championing for ever since I started Subway to Shave back in 2020. So that's where we're going to get to start the show off today. The Mets resigned Edwin Diaz. Five-year deal, $102 million with an option for a six-year. And that would bring the total up to $122 million as an opt-out after the third year. Full no-trade clause. It's the biggest contract given out to a reliever ever. And it's an important to note that there are deferrals which uh, leads the annual AAV to be $18.6 million, helps the Mets when it comes to the rest of this offseason. Let's look at Edwin Diaz's stats. Last season, 62 innings pitched, 3-1 with a 1.33 ERA, 32 saves, only gave up 34 hits, 9 earned runs, only 3 home runs all season long, 18 walks, and 118 strikeouts. He struck out 50.2% of the batters he faced that stack courtesy of Chris Bello of Metsmerized. Al, what do you think of this deal? It, it's got to be worth every penny, right? As my man Eddie would say when the Casamigos kick in at the at City Field. <laughs> that, this, <laughs> let me turn right down. I said, like you said, even before your podcast started, I was on the Edwin Diaz train, driving the thing from the beginning. Everybody was going crazy. Oh, we traded the next Bryce Harper. Oh, we took Cano back. You got to give to get. And this contract is a steal considering he is the best closer in baseball, like I said he would be. You know, I predicted at the beginning of this offseason that he would be the first domino to fall. And you can read that article on risingapple.com if you guys haven't read that yet. 
you know, the Mets prioritized him and they got the job done nice and early before the start of free agency. Did you also think that Edwin would be the first move to go? Yeah, absolutely. He made it clear they better come to him quick. He wanted to stay. I knew he wanted to stay. And, you know, he has a great foundation around him. He has guys that believe in him finally. And uh, I knew he'd be the first one to go. If he didn't stay, if that didn't go well, this offseason would have been a disaster. And what a turnaround, right? You mentioned it earlier about the trade. We're going to get into that real quick. It's been such a turnaround in Diaz's tenure as a Met. He comes over in 2019 in the, you know, the pan trade with Robinson Cano for Jared Kalenic, Jay Bruce, I think it was Justin Dunn and Anthony Swarzak. I don't know if there was anyone else, but those were like the main key cogs of who was a part of that trade. He had that 2019 season. Uh, it was awful, 2-7 and seven with a 5.59 mm-hmm. ERA. You can argue that he almost single-handedly cost the Mets a playoff opportunity that year. I mean, he blew some huge saves. That one big one in Washington as well, that was a big one that kind of you know sealed yeah. the Mets' fate. Huh. He got better every year since and is now, for his total tenure, he's 12-15 and 15 with a 3.20 ERA and 356 strikeouts. And that's only in the four years that he's been here. I know you believed in him, Al, this whole time. And I'll admit, I had to eat crow. I've done it all year. Uh, at the beginning <laughs> of last season, I said I wanted him traded at the deadline. Like, if he performed well... I thought maybe we could get something back, especially with him going into free agency. But then by the time we got to the trade deadline, you know, I wanted him resigned just as much as anybody else. What do you think of this epic turnaround for Diaz with his production and also getting the fan base to unite around him? Because I've never seen anything like this as a Mets fan or a baseball fan in New York, because we all know how, you know, baseball fans in New York get. Well, the the thing I also want to add is if he had more opportunities in September, because he barely pitched in September, mm-hmm. he would have got he would have had Cy Young Award votes. He definitely would have had votes. He I've never I've personally, besides maybe the greats, I've never seen any, especially in the Met uniform, a Met closer. It's I we've never seen it. Or we could say um, Benitez had good years, but he was bound to blow it all at, at, at some point. Billy Wagner had great years. He was bound to blow it at some point. But I think, as some people might say, it's it's corny with the trumpets. That definitely helped. Yeah. If you if you can if you check in his numbers since he started doing that, he, he's a completely different pitcher. He oozes confidence when he comes in the game. Before when he first got here, it, when he came in the game, he looked nervous. Like he looked shook. Like, he didn't want to be there, and the numbers showed it. His performance showed it. And I just said, just stay with him, because so many guys come to New York year one and fail. So many guys come to New York year one and fail. And then year two, they start to turn it around, and year three, bang, there they go. It pays off. Edwin Diaz is paid off, and he's going to continue to pay off. Yeah, you think about all the people that have had hard times their first year. You look at Carlos Beltran. He struggled in his first year, and he could quite possibly be a you know hall of famer with a Mets hat on and you got mm-hmm. Francisco Lindor also he struggled his first season Edwin Diaz were putting in there you mentioned all the other closers I'm trying to think is this possibly the best single season uh, definitely in the regular season that we've ever seen from a closer considering you know obviously John Franco we had which I don't think he had you know any amazing season but about Armando Benitez you mentioned Billy Wagner even thinking of that great year Jury's Familia had, I don't know if there's been anything better, even though he doesn't have the saves, all the saves to match up with it. This might be the best season for a closer the Mets have ever had. 
No, it was. When he came in my, this this season, I never worried one bit. I didn't worry at all. When Franco came in, you worried. When Benitez yeah. came in, you worried. When Wagner came in, you worried. When K-Rod came in, you worried. You always, when Familia came in, oh, I always used to say he should wear 32 because every count was 3-2 and two with Familia. And you always worried. But this season when Diaz came in, I was already with two hours getting Timmy Trumpet ready on the phone to embrace the Trumpet videos. I was ready to go. And my, my, my wife would say, no, wait, it's not over. It's not over. Man, this is over. This said with Diaz this year. It's over. And he would close it out. Yeah, and I don't remember a pitcher where he had struck out the side as much as Edwin Diaz did this year. He did it so much, whether it was a safe situation or not. He came in, he struck out the side more than I've ever remembered. Like, if I'm thinking about that and remembering it now, definitely no one else has done that. Now, when he... The crazy thing with, with Edwin when he came in the game, it was it was just that it was so dominant. It was quick. It was easy. It was easy. It was a stress-free mm -hmm. night. And then most closers, you know, I always say closers are like fragile, you know. When he um, he said to Buck, he made it clear, I'll come in the seventh, I'll come in the eighth. Whenever you need me, I'll come in. How many closers, especially this day, this day and age, say that? No, they want to stick to their routine. I'm coming only in the ninth inning. He came seventh, eighth, ninth, pitched two innings. Sometimes I didn't agree, but it worked out. He he did it all. He did it all. Yeah, and that makes you wonder, like, was he always like this? Did he always want to come in? Because, you know, Luis Rojas was very hesitant to bring him in in, you know, the eighth inning or bring him in for a four-out or a five-out save. We knew the stats where, you know, he struggled, but Buck Showalter really pushed him to get to that level. He really believed in him, and, and it showed uh, whether he came in the eighth, whether he came in the ninth, it didn't matter. Four-out save, five-out save. Coming in the 10th, which I always thought would be a struggle for any pitcher, mm -hmm. but especially Edwin Diaz. He came in, and he did the job. He got the job done, and, and he succeeded probably nine out of 10 times. Well, you said the key words. Buck believed in him. He didn't have that before. The Ross would say, well, we'll see. Buck never said that. Buck made it clear to the fan base and to the rest of baseball, hey, he's going to come in uh, whenever I need him to come in. That's all you. That's all you need from from anybody in life. Somebody to support you. Somebody that believes in you. And Buck believed in him, and the results showed. Yep, and they definitely did show. And, and the Mets have showed this offseason so far that, you know, they're not really playing around. We've seen in the Wilpon era where the Mets would wait, there'd be no qualifying offers, they wouldn't get a deal done until late November or even December, or they just, they would take forever to work on their own guys and it would drag out so long, where now in the Cohen era, we're not getting that. They struck right before free agency. They got the Edwin Diaz deal done. They exercised Carlos Carrasco's contract, who we're going to get into next. The, you know, the Mets didn't stop at just getting Edwin Diaz done. The, the Mets got some sugar so they could make some cookies. And with that, you know, the Mets uh, <laughs> picked up the option on Carlos Carrasco. MLB.com's Anthony Tacoma reported the Mets exercised his contract for 2023. He will be making $14 million. He's 35 going on 36 years old in March, which could be a little bit of concern. You know, Cookie's 22, uh, 2022 stats, 15 and 7, 3.97 ERA in 152 innings, third most among Mets starting pitchers last season. I'm okay with this move given the state of the rotation right now, but it was never clear cut for me. Thought that maybe they could have put that money better spent elsewhere. However, I don't hate the move whatsoever. Uh, was bringing back Cookie for you an easy decision? Yeah, it's insurance policy. 
in, in case, you know, as they say in the streets, ish hits the fan, you know. Um, we don't know about Bassett, uh, if he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. We don't know about the Grom. We don't know about if the Mets even want Walker back. I'm sick of seeing uh, some of these um, minor leagues that have no business pitching in the major leagues, or and I'm sick of seeing David Peterson go out there and walk everybody in the first inning. So Cookie Carrasco was a stabilizing part of this rotation last year. He was the, the best thing you can be, and that's available most times. Jake makes, missed half the season. Uh, Mad Max missed a good chunk of the season. And Carrasco was there. And I think he struggled in maybe four or five starts, which make his numbers seem as he already higher than what it is. But he was solid all year. He was really, really solid all year. Yeah, when he struggled, he really struggled, which ballooned up his ERA, especially towards the end of the season, which I'm going to attest to. Obviously, there's, you know, the 2020 shortened season. 2021, he missed most of the season. And this is his first real full season back uh, pitching. So you would kind of figure that towards the end, it would, you know, he kind of got tired there. Uh, for me with Carlos, uh, what you mentioned earlier of him being that stabilizing force, because like you said, DeGrom was hurt most of the season. He was out. We lost Scherzer for about eight weeks. And during that time as well, the person that I actually thought was going to stabilize the rotation was Chris Bassett. And even he had a terrible month. I think it was, I don't know if it was May or June, where he struggled for three or four starts. And we were starting to think maybe... You know, he wasn't right for New York, ended up turning her around. But during that whole time, even with, you know, Taiwan Walker also having struggles with injuries, Carlos mm-hmm. Carrasco, like, kind of stabilized that rotation. I, I think he went maybe 6-0, and 7-0 and at some point between, you yes. know, May and June. Uh, I don't know the exact stats, but somewhere around there was either 6-1, and one, se- he, whatever it was, he really stabilized that rotation. And I think that is absolutely, you're correct, that that is a big part in why he was returning. And then another thing is I'll always go to war with somebody who beat, who's battled and beat cancer. I'm never doubt that man. I'll never say yep. a negative thing about him. I used to, you know, I said, oh, start him in the second inning. Because remember, he, his first inning is always horrible. I'll be like, just bring him in in the second. But last year, man, he gutted it out. Um, like you said, he missed time. It was the first full season in a while, um, and I just feel like he stabilized the rotation, and he, he's a great guy in the, in the clubhouse. He's a great guy on the t- for the team, and I'm happy he's back. I'm really happy he's back. Yeah, those are a lot of, you know, that going through that whole situation with the cancer, coming back to pitch, pitching as well as he did, helping this team get to the playoffs. How much more could you ask for Cookie? And I do believe, and I I went on record, I think last season saying this, that when he came back, I think he came back a little too early. Obviously, there were so many injuries, losing DeGrom, Mm -hmm. um, Syndergaard not being ready yet. And they had to push Cookie to get ready, I think, even before he was ready to come back. And you can tell that he struggled from that. I think he went one in five. Obviously, the first inning was a problem for him. And, it, it, you know, he really wasn't fully ready to return last season. Yeah, I totally agree uh, about Carrasco. But to me, this is a great move if uh, the other guys, everything else pans out with the rotation. If Carrasco's your fifth starter, he's better than a lot of a team's third Absolutely. starter. Now, if he's your second or or even your third starter, it's gonna be it's gonna be a problem in Flushing. But we're not shopping in the sales aisle anymore. We're shopping at Zales now, baby, for diamonds. We don't have the Will Ponds anymore. We have the Cohens running the show. So I, this is he'll be the fifth starter. He's an insurance policy and a great insurance policy to have compared to what we used to have. Michael Walker, uh, who, um, <laughs> Porcello. I mean, but this, 
there you go, another jabroni. Um, <laughs> you know, those those guys, forget about it. Cookie Carrasco was 10 times better than those guys. Yeah, he definitely is. And, you know, as we were talking about the Mets staying busy, they even brought uh, Vogie back. No pun intended. You know, the Mets uh-huh. exercised Daniel Vogelback's option for 2023 as well. He will be returning on 1.5 million dollar option. 2022 for him, he was 255 batting average, 6 home runs, 25 RBIs just with the Mets alone. In total mm-hmm. season 238 batting average, 18 home runs, 59 RBIs. And I I I bring up these stats because those are the ones that are most important to me. I know there's a lot of other numbers and a lot of other things that people can get into F war and all that stuff. But the most important thing to me is how many RBIs are you bringing in? How many runs are being scored? And that's what really is the test of how these teams wins these games. So how what did you think of Vogelback's time with the Mets once he got uh, traded uh, to them for, at the trade deadline? He got off to a hot start. Then he got a, way too picky at the plate. And then he just started swinging away. Uh, to, to me, I think it was a no-brainer to bring him back, especially at that price. To bring him back, the, the Mets need power, especially in the DH spot and off the bench. Because let's face it, he's never going to play the field. Uh, so I, I think it was, a, it was the right decision to bring him back, especially for that price. You know, a couple of notes that like I take away, and you mentioned it as well. I, I thought he played well up until that series in the Bronx with the Yankees. Felt like he pulled something running from like first to third, and you can tell he felt uncomfortable. Never went on IL to heal, and he really mm-hmm. didn't regain form until late September, probably that Brave series where he was the only one hitting. It also took too many walks. I, I'd like to see that change. The walks got to, you know... I, I know people like when the Mets walk with like him and Nimmo, but like you got there was too many pitches right down the plate where I uh-huh. thought that they should be <laughs> you know hitting and and they just didn't. You know, also wondering if the Mets are going to try this platoon DH again or actually bring in a legit DH because there are plenty of options out there. Yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty 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 of options out there. Even. To me, if they sign, okay, everybody knows I'm in love with Trey Turner. It's no secret mm-hmm. I have a man crush. On, I've had a man crush on Trey Turner forever because <laughs> I I love speed. Speed speed kills, and it feels like it's it's it's, it's gone out of style in this day and age in baseball. But now with the new rule, you're gonna have to throw the second uh, to first base only twice, and then you can take off. Speed is gonna be a premium thing in Major League Baseball this year. So if let's say they were to sign Trey Turner, Escobar. Perfect can be a DH. He's a switch hitter. He can DH. Uh, you have Vogel back on the roster. Now, do I think they're going to do a platoon? I don't know. It depends what the market dictates. I know there's J.D. Martinez out there. The Met fans are in love with Jock Peterson. Why? I don't know. Uh, Abreu. I don't want him. Abreu. But is he, he's 36. Is he really 36? Um, <laughs> we, we don't know. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with the DH position. All I know, they they need it. Um, they need to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They need to um, lock it down. We can't have no uh, ifs at DH. Yeah, no, we can't have this again like we did last season. It was the if with uh, J.D. Davis, the if with Dom Smith, who 
Both didn't mm-hmm. pan out here in Queens. Vogelback gave them a little bit of a, a nice little run where they had that big winning streak in in August, and then you know Ruff just didn't do anything. So um, <laughs> he was all, absolutely awful. Uh, but you know, you look at moving forward with this crop of guys that are on our team, and and that's I wanted to get mostly into that with you. We're gonna get into your list as well because I know you sent me that list on Instagram. So I want to get into the other free agents. I want to get into Trey Turner. But let's look at what the Mets have coming up. They offered the qualifying offer, extended it to DeGrom, Nimmo, Bassett, Mm -hmm. all said no. They're hitting free agency. They didn't extend one to Taiwan Walker. So I'm assuming that his time in Queens is over. You agree with that? Anything's possible. I I, I don't know. Um, If you look at Alex's Instagram story, Alex Cohen's Instagram stories and Mm -hmm. stuff, he's really really tight with the walkers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I don't don't know if his time is up. I know he's definitely a fallback option. Uh, I don't think – I would love him back. I think he should have been on the playoff roster because I don't think Max was healthy. We sat pretty close for game one versus San Diego, and usually Max grunts when he pitches. It was like batting practice. You can tell he had nothing on his pitches versus San Diego. So if Walker would have been on the roster, he, or even Carrasco, you could have had one of them warming up and got him out sooner rather than when it was too late. Yeah, that the, that first game kind of set the tone for what was to come for the rest of the series. You know, the Mets didn't hit either, so that didn't help. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to see. I know he's under contract with... Scott Boris, so obviously he's going to get a good deal. He had a good season this year, so he's going to get a good deal. His second half this year was better than his second half last year. Uh, So we'll see what comes of Taiwan Walker. And let's get into the Mets free agents. We mentioned a couple of them, Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Nimmo, Chris Bassett, Taiwan Walker. You got Adam Adovino, Seth Lugo, Trevor Williams, Trevor May, Joely Rodriguez, Tyler Naquin, Tommy Hunter, and Michael Givens now that he has uh, declined mutual option was, uh, well, declined. Who are you bringing okay. back from this list and why? Adam Adovino. Uh, he was great out the bullpen for the team last uh, this past season. Um, it's, you know, we sit up top when we go to the games, and that slider dances. That slider dances when it's on. You can tell him his first pitch if it's on. If he's on, I'm bringing him back. Um, I'm bringing uh, Nemo. Not past five years. I'm not doing a seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've been seeing out there. He can go to Colorado and uh, enjoy nobody watching him play baseball. Um, Jacob DeGrom, I'm giving him the four years. I'll deal with the fourth year later. Yep. I'll deal with it later. You know, John Smoltz was a star- great starter, then went to the pen. Who's to say Jacob DeGrom is last season can't come out the bullpen if he doesn't have it anymore? And people need to realize that DeGrom, unlike a lot of pitchers, didn't pitch his whole life. Yep. You know, he still has a lot of miles on his arm. His health is the issue but I'm giving him the four years he's he's earned that as a met and, and and for the fans to turn a lot of fans have turned on him I, I don't know why that baffles me it baffles me he's had historic season as a met he's got it if he comes back that lets at the team know and everybody know okay let's do this but for fans to turn on Jacob DeGrom the way they have because you know injuries do happen but my God, the guy love. I know for a fact he loves pitching here. I know for a fact he loves being here. I know for a fact he wants to win a championship here. He he said it himself that he wants to he wants a David Wright treatment. So let him have it. Give him the four. If, if money's not the issue, we have the richest owner in baseball. Yeah, I I totally agree. I'm giving Jacob Degrom, like you said, give him the four years. I, he's one one he's earned it, and two I think it sets a precedent, right? Steve Cohen has been setting all these precedents and has been changing 
changing this culture of what the Mets were considered, right? The LOL Mets and all that stuff. And he's been changing mm-hmm. that since he's gotten here, right? He's doing the, uh, like he's did uh, um, Old Timers Day. Uh, he did Keith Hernandez. All these different things that he's been doing, especially even with the team, signing Edwin Diaz, that set a precedent. Bringing back Jacob deGrom, especially knowing that, Steve Cohen's favorite player as a kid was Tom Seaver and how that got out of hand, how they let him go. I don't think Mm -hmm. he's going to allow that to happen. I will say this. If he does go, I will be okay as long as he's not in Atlanta and as long as he's not in the NL East. If he goes to Texas, so be it. I, I, I'm not under this impression that whatever John Heyman's saying, he doesn't like being in New York and all. That is some weird banter that he's just trying to get clicks from, I think. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, I, I had to unfollow because it was just, I had enough of seeing that. It's the same thing that Dick Young had did with uh, Tom Seaver and, and getting, driving Tom Seaver out of here. And I, I hope that Jacob does come back and I really would like to see him come back. But if he doesn't, going to Texas, Texas, I, I'm okay with it. It's just Atlanta can't happen. That cannot happen yeah. whatsoever. Going to Brandon Listen. Nimmo, um, I would like to see him return as well. The options coming out of center field are not great, but by no means is he the greatest center fielder. I, I do think there's the issue with the arm not being able to throw. <laughs> I, I've had a trouble with that. And, and to me, uh, I don't know if you agree with this. Uh, I don't find him to be that prototypical leadoff guy. He doesn't yeah. steal bases. I know he walks and he gets on base, but you you got to be able to move around the bases, steal a base here and there. And that's something that maybe putting Marte up there would do. Or like you said, bringing in a Trey Turner and having them at the top of the lineup. Brandon Nemo is just not that prototypical uh, uh, leadoff guy to me. So... Now that you mentioned that, uh, him stealing bases, because every year he says he's working on stealing bases and he doesn't steal any, I think the new rule is going to benefit him. You know, he knows he can take off now after, after you know, if the pitcher throws the first base twice, yep. he can go. So I think that's going to benefit him. I can see him stealing more bases. But uh, to me, he's more of like a, a three-hitter. Uh, that's where I see him at. Yeah. The top of the lineup is you got, to me, you have to have steals. If you can get the speedy guy on first base, uh, the first batter at the, on base to start the game, after one, it can be one or two nothing. And now you put the other team behind the eight ball. Brandon Nimmo gets on first, and he's a statue. You know he's not stealing. You know he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he can walk as much as he wants, but a lot of times he's stuck on first. Yeah, and unfortunately, too, his his stats are deceiving. Not to his own doing, right? I mean, he doesn't have too many home runs in RBIs, basically because... The bottom third of that order was automatic outs. Basically, all three, but from seven, eight, and nine, mostly eight and nine, I mean, definitely eight and nine, were automatic outs every game. So anytime he would come up to bat, he wouldn't get that many opportunities. So we'll see how his contract goes. Obviously, another Boris client. Chris Bassett, I think he would be good returning as the third starter. I, I like what I saw from him. I know he made some weird comments towards the end of the season, uh, heading into that playoff game, and him getting kind of a Annihilated in in game three didn't help either, but I think he was a solid force in that rotation. Unless you're bringing in a Carlos Rodon, if you're Bang. gonna get bring him in as a third starter, I could see letting Chris Bassett go. But you really have to replace Chris Bassett if you're doing it. It has to be with a Rodon, or it has to be someone with you know that similar stat line that's gonna give you you know that third starter stuff, borderline second starter stuff. Rodon is better than Bassett. Rodon's better than Bassett. He can actually strike out guys. He can put guys away 
Um, he doesn't need to play around with six pitches and shake off the catcher 697,000 times in one inning, <laughs> yes. uh, which is, I, I, I hated going to games when Chris Bassett pitched. It took forever to shaking up the head. Anyway, and that's the guy, Radon, he, he got him, what, last year, two years, $44 million for the Giants and opted out. Bassett just declined to qualify an offer. Chris Bassett is not worth no $22 million. Carlos Radon, with the stuff he has and the way he can put batters away, he doesn't need to put the ball and have them put the ball in play. He's the guy. Now, I know you said number three starter. To me, you split, if Jake comes back, you split Scherzer and DeGrom, and you put Radon number two. Now you have righty, lefty, righty, which has been a dream of mine to have three power pitchers at the top of the rotation for the Mets, which something we haven't had since a healthy Harvey, a healthy DeGrom, and a healthy Syndergaard. And we know how exciting that was in Flushing. Yeah, absolutely. And there has already been talks, I think, yesterday, I don't know who reported it. I think it may have been Pat Ragazzo. Someone reported it that there is interest in Carlos Rodon, and hopefully we'll see that. I agree with you. Adam Adovino should return. I think he was a key cog in this bullpen, a very important piece of the bullpen. Uh, what are your thoughts on Seth Lugo? I, I, don't, I, I can't gauge like the interest in him returning. I know he had some rough games, but he also had some really good games, and he was really one of the only people in that bullpen that could get out lefties. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be nice here. <laughs> When Buck brought Lugo in, one inning was fine. Yes. I don't know why he kept bringing him in for a second inning. It always failed. Now, do I want Seth Lugo back? I'm going to say two words. Hell no. I, okay, I don't that's, want, that's I don't, fair. I, yeah, yeah, I don't want him back. I'm, 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 I'm just sick of seeing him in a, in a Met uniform. I'm, I'm, something about him. I'm just all, I'm over it. I'm over it. There's yeah. plenty... If you look at middle relievers, bullpen up, there's plenty of guys out there. Uh, Fulmer, Montero, Chafin, um, Anderson, Robertson, Giles, Leone. There's plenty of guys out there that can do the same, if not a better job than Lugo. Now, I'm never married to anyone in the bullpen knowing that, you know, they're, they, they change from year to year. I, even the same thing about Aaron Loop. I know everyone wanted to bring back Aaron Loop. At the time, I said, I'm okay with this. Obviously, as long as they bring in a lefty, which they didn't at the time. They really didn't bring mm -hmm. back anyone to at least be comparable to what Aaron Loop provided. But I said, you know, Aaron Loop next season, he could, you know, bit the, you know, bit the dust. He could have a bad season. And he pretty much did. He did not come he anywhere sucked. close <laughs> to what he was with the Mets. So, you know, be as it may with the bullpen, it's like a dime a dozen. You got to just plug people in every so often. But this guy right here, I'm going to bring up and I want him return. Obviously, you know, he came out of the bullpen, he spot started, and he was kind of like that long man, and he did it so well. I haven't seen a Met long man come in and do so well since Darren Oliver in 2006 when they had him. But Trevor Williams, I think he's a must to bring back. I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like they have to bring Trevor Williams back. He can spot start, he can come out of the bullpen, he can give you innings. He did everything that was required of him to do, and he did it well. I 100% agree with you. I said that if there was a vote for the team MVP, he he was definitely top five. 
Um, he did his job wherever he, he came in, whenever he came in, whether he started. I was the bullpen long relief. Uh, the guy was a stud for the Mets all season long, and I couldn't agree with you more. Trevor Williams should be on this team. Every team needs a long man, and a guy who can fill in here and there. Uh, Trevor Williams should be back on his team next season. What he provided, especially knowing now what we know about this rotation, everyone's getting older. Right now, they still have to fill in plugs because, as it looks, you if, if they were not to, let's say – you know, people signed elsewhere, DeGrom signs elsewhere, they can't get Rodon, right? Or, or even making a trade, right? Right now, the rotation is Scherzer, Carrasco, Peterson, McGill, Joey Lucchese, right? Like, y- you need oh, Trevor Williams. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got to be there, but if that's the rotation... Uh, I'm staying home and watching the games. I will not be going. <laughs> I'm not going to City Field. Sorry, but I, that's not, I don't believe that's going to be the rotation. No way. Remember, we didn't expect Mac, uh, Mac Scherzer last year. Um, you know, Stephen Matz, thank you, baseball gods, uh, yeah. played Steve Cohen in the Mets. It was the best thing that could have happened. And yeah, what th- happened? We got Mac Scherzer. So me, personally, I think we're going to get a huge gift under our Christmas tree. If DeGrom, if DeGrom leaves, that puts Justin Verlander in the greatest spot imaginable. And uh, what? You can give him a two-year deal and often whatever he wants and you bring him in at least the guy pitches most of the season he had a dominant season last year and the fans couldn't complain okay the wrong left here comes uh verlander yeah this that's this is why i stopped following john Heyman. uh and, and you who are else is out there you know you got the buster Olneys and the joel shermans of the world because they report all this rumors and innuendo and then you have Steve Cohen being like, I just signed Max Scherzer. He tweets it out himself. No one knew about it. No one knew about Marte. <laughs> no one even knew about the Lindor trade. That one came out of left field. So just in, in general, I, I just wait for whether Cohen calls it or even one of the Mets reporters because usually they're they're on top of their beat as well. But these, you know, the national guys, I don't think they know what they're talking about. Having John Heyman say that DeGrom doesn't like being here because he knows because he's been in the clubhouse. Well, DeGrom doesn't talk to anyone. So, I mean, how would you even know that? Well, you could, you could have fooled me when every time then uh, he's laughing in the dugout with Max, Bassett, Vogelback, yep. Alonzo. He's... It's, I know for, I'm not trying to say I have juice or anything, but I, I had some, I knew somebody who worked high up in the organization under Brody Van Wagen, and he told me, Jake, Jake loves being a Met. He loves it here. Now, I heard a, a friend of mine told me his wife hates it here. Do, uh, uh, now, he said he knows somebody now in the organization. Do I believe that? No. At the end of the day, Jake can tell his wife, hey, listen, I've been with this organization for so long. Now we're finally turning it around. After we're done, you can have whatever you want. I'm all yours. <laughs> so why would I go through all the bad times with this team, then leave when they're on the up? So all these national reporters, they're just butthurt because of the fact that they get no leaks from inside the organization. And Mets fans need to stop believing rumors from these people because no leaks have come. Nothing. It, it just pops up. Bam, I got this guy. Bam, we did this. That's And I love it that way. I love to be surprised. Well, speaking of the rest of free agency and what surprises may lead us to, I know you sent me a list on Instagram of your off-season outlook, so tell me a little more about how you're seeing it play out and what new and fresh faces you want brought here to Queens. Well, I love lefties out the pen, which we didn't have last year. Yep. So I want Andrew Chafin to be a Met. Uh, I know they flirted with him last off-season. He went to the Tigers. Why? Who the hell knows? <laughs> But now they have a chance to bring him back. I want uh, Michael Fulmer, homecoming, out the bullpen. Montero, 
Welcome home. Welcome back home out the bullpen. Um, you got Robertson out there. They flirted with making a trade for him last year. Didn't, uh, this past season didn't work out. That's another option. Nick Anderson. I know he's coming off uh, injury riddled season. I don't even think he pitched most of last season. But that's another guy who's closed games before. Another power arm. To me, if the Mets can build some sort of super bullpen, that helps cure if a starter gets hurt or if a starter is just coming back in five innings and the pen can knock it out. And they'll last long. I think for the Mets, me personally, last year, they were tired. This September, uh, they were swinging tired bats. They played every game. They didn't really have anybody to fill in here that you that you can believe in. And then October, playoffs, it showed. Just no offense whatsoever. So you got to – depth, depth, depth is important to me. Also, I don't know if you saw uh, that the Blue Jays were interested in trading one of their catches because they have a plethora of catches. Yeah, I saw that. I would love Kirk to be – I think he's got one year left on his deal. He can He can hit. He can DH. And it can take pressure off uh, Francisco Alvarez if he's going to be on the opening day roster where he doesn't have to carry the entire load. Or uh, Kirk can hold down the fort until Alvarez is ready to take uh, the ring that catcher. Um, as far as everyday players, everybody knows I want Trey Turner. I know rumors have him going to Philly. Nobody's going to outbid Steve Cohen for a player. So if the Mets want him or want a player, they're going to offer whatever they offer. And then my motto is make them say no. Make them say no. I don't want John Peterson here. I've always been an Adam Frazier fan. I know he had a down season last year. The guy plays everywhere. Another, that's a lefty bat right there. Um, Josh Bell's a free agent. Switch it. I know Eddie loves him. Um, he's a, he loves Josh Bell. He wanted him at the deadline. So did I. Mm-hmm. But I see him staying in. I see him staying in San Diego. Brandon Drury was a guy I thought the Mets should have been aggressive on bringing at at, uh, at the trade deadline. He had an awesome season, but it all started to turn around for him when he came to the Mets. So I would love to see him. A guy can play everywhere as well. There's plenty of options. The great the great thing about having the Cohens as the owner is this: any and everything is possible. We've never had that luxury. Yeah. I think the Mets are going to bring in one big bat. I don't know who it's going to be. I'm not saying that I have sources on it or anything, but I do think the Mets are going to bring one big bat in here, whether it's a a Trey Turner or they bring in a big DH or something. There has to be one. There has to be a guy with pop because it can't just be Alonzo and Lindor doing all the work, hitting home runs and stuff. They have to bring in someone with pop. They have to at least have three guys in here. And like you said, Trey Turner, Trey Turner fits the mold of what Buck Showalter and Billy Epler are looking for in versatility, right? He's a very versatile player, whether he can mm-hmm. play second, short. I mean, people are talking about him not being able to play short. Uh, Lindor's going to need some rest. He literally played 161 games this season. So if you can have him get some rest finally and have him fresh to go the entire season, that could be some of the reason why he tired out and everything. So you can move over uh, Trey Turner, get him to play a little bit of short, uh, have him play a little bit of outfield. But I, I really do see the Mets making some big moves here. They're definitely going to get a couple of pitchers. I would like for them to kind of push over Mark Hanna and Eduardo Escobar as more of a platoon bench type role for them. I don't see Mark Hanna as a starting outfielder, but that's just me. I see. Okay, so when they signed the, these players, a lot of these players besides Marte with two-year deals, right? Yep. You can package these guys with a prospect to go upgrade a position if you don't get what you need via free agency. It's also enticing to another team to get a good clubhouse guy and know that he's coming off the books as well uh, at the end of the year. So they are trade pieces, which is 
great and valuable trade pieces, not only valuable in the clubhouse, but they can play. And I, I think they'd be valuable um, to move if you need to upgrade positions, if you don't get what you need via free agency. I'm going to throw one more name at you. And I didn't get to tweet this out this morning, uh, getting ready for the show and everything. But I keep hearing this pitcher's name being thrown out there for the Mets. And honestly, I don't know why, but Andrew Heaney <laughs> keeps getting thrown out here. And no, uh, no, someone no. convinced me because last time he was in New York, he had over a 70 RA with the Yankees. Why is he an option? <laughs> that was in the chat. I saw <laughs> that. That was in the uh, the chat. I saw. I happened to see that Andrew Haney. Um, no, that just we don't even have to go there. No, 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 and no. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I know they're not going to be able to get every All Star at every position, but oh, wouldn't wouldn't you rather just? I know you mentioned you wouldn't want him in the rotation, but wouldn't you rather David Peterson be that guy? at the fifth starter than Andrew Heaney? David Peterson's better than Andrew Heaney, and no disrespect to David Peterson, that's not saying much. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not, not saying much. But I'm not, you have a guy who's making less money than what Heaney would uh, want. No thank you. I'm, let's, no, just no. <laughs> Well, Al, on that note, this has been a, a fun episode for me. I hope you had a good time. Let everyone know what you're up to and how they can follow you. I know you got your channel on YouTube up and running, so let everyone know about that. Let everyone know how to follow you on Twitter as well. So I finally made it easy for everyone. Instead of having all these different names and all these different platforms, it's at my infamous take for YouTube. I just opened an Instagram for it as well. And on Twitter, my infamous take that's where I'm at. I, um, also, if you don't mind, I'm looking for people this upcoming season that would like to do material, that would like to join me from the stadium at games or during the week, uh, join me on my infamous take. If you're interested, reach out via DM and we can figure it out. But uh, I just want to say to you, keep up the great work. I'm happy that we connected the way we did last year, and I know you're in our chat as well. We have a blast in there. We don't tell people what we talk about in there, but we <laughs> but we, we have a blast in there, and I'm glad that I was able to unite a bunch of us um, to help each other get through tough times as well. Yeah, and I got to, when I go to a game, we got to connect at some point. I know you were at yes. game, game two of the playoffs. I think we were close in sections. I, I had no clue. You know what happened? I was in all three. Yeah, yeah. I was at game two uh, in, uh, you know, the upper area seats. And uh, me and my wife were going to, you know, get up, go to the bathroom, go get some food. And, like, the game just took off. You didn't want to leave your seat during any of the Grom's pitches. And, mm -hmm. you know, such a close game, even towards the end with Adovino kind of falling apart and then having to, you know, bring in, you know, someone to close out the game. But, like, you just didn't want to leave your seat for that game. And I haven't felt that way in a long time going to a Mets game. Usually I can go up, I can get food, you know, go to the stores and check things out and then come back, watch most of the game. But this game was just different. Game two was just a, a different experience. I wish there was more people there. Um, that was a little bit disappointing that, that it wasn't sold out. But, um, you know, I understand, you know, times are rough and, you know, people obviously were a little upset with how the team played towards the end of the season, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, we definitely got to link up at, at a game at some point. I know you're at mostly I, all the games. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up before we go about the playoffs. Game one, the building was electric and then it was just we had no chance. Max didn't give the team a chance. Whether he was healthy or not, we'll never know. 
Game two, the place was insane. I was banging my cane. My section was touching the cane every time they scored for luck. It was amazing. Besides the guy tripping out on mushrooms behind us who fell on top of me. And it was a, yeah, it was a guy tripping out on mushrooms at the game. Why you go to a baseball game tripping out on mushrooms? I have no idea. But brother, you and your boy need help. And then game three, I was excited to get in the building. And then I posted a picture to sit and see so many empty seats for a do or die game when we've been begging for postseason baseball. And Flushing was so disappointing. I can only imagine what the players felt seeing that as well. But uh, de we definitely have to link up at a game. We sit up top, you know, the deal, the 500 squad, we're up there, make noise, we cause ruckus, but in a positive way. So you're free to join us at any time, brother. All right, my friend. We're going to do this this as well. This How we did this podcast today, we're going to do this as well again. You uh, take care and have a good one, my friend. You too, brother. Stay safe. And as always, let's go Mets. That was Al Cintron, diehard New York Mets fan and is known for his infamous takes on Twitter and YouTube about the Mets, the Knicks, and his Washington Commanders. Now, a note before this train leaves the station, a big congratulations goes out to Jeff McNeil. He won a Silver Slugger Award this season. What a season he had. Nine home runs, 62 RBIs, but a 326 batting average. He won the batting title on top of that. Wins a Silver Slugger Award. So congratulations goes out to Jeff McNeil. What a season. Can't wait to see what he does next season. And hopefully a huge contract from the Mets is coming his way really soon. And that will wrap it up for this episode of Subway to Shea. Make sure to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome Thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Mets fans. Let them know this is the podcast to listen to if you are a New York Mets fan. We have a lot of fun here, like I had a lot of fun with Al earlier on in the show. If you've been a supporter this whole entire time, I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you. Because of that, Subway to Shea is global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So I cannot thank all of my fans all over the world for listening to this podcast enough. Thank you all. No matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from one to five stars, hopefully you're giving me five stars and leaving comments in the review section it can only help me to make this show better you can also rate the show on spotify that's another option if you're listening to the podcast on spotify all you gotta do is press that little star button and it gives me a rating that way don't forget to follow my work for rising apple rising apple is a new york mets site on the fan side and network you can read my articles as well as the rest of the crew at rising apple by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the Fan Sided Network at Fan Sided. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget, listen, subscribe, share, and review for Anthony Rivera. You've been listening to Subway to Shea. And always remember, let's go Mets.